0: For everyone listening, I hope everyone's gotten to this point in this conversation. This is the difference between something so small. You can feel the energy. Of let go, let go. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another Part Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. We got Matt Cermak with me. What's up, Evan? It's great to be back. We got a fun episode for everybody. But first, in case you're new. If your golf game's off the rails, if you're sick of riding that struggle bus, you come to the right place. We help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental wow. game with anyone from a PJ Tour Pro to a golfer like you and me to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. Now, Serm, I'm excited about this episode, Serm, because I don't think enough of us, we've talked about the importance of reflection before and how learning comes from reflection. If you don't know what you do, in good spots and bad spots, how are you going to know what works, right, we kind of just go on to the next thing. It's very easy to just be wrapped up in what is in this moment, we might not take stock of, of the good and the bad. So sermon, and I were talking and we thought, you know what, we've never done this explicitly. Why don't we go back to some of our best rounds, some of our best periods of playing golf and some of our worst. And let's unpack those patterns and those habits and those processes, approaches, thoughts that led to those things. And so what I'm hoping is for the listener to kind of go through this exercise as well for their own games so that they can figure out what is their thing, what helps them play their best. And I'm excited because we've this is going to be very free flowing. We haven't done this We've talked about things in the past, but we've never like really laid it out and gone deep like this.
1: And Ev, you and I actually we were talking about your trip to Bali. Your great trip you had two weeks there. Yeah, and we thought maybe we would. And you didn't touch a club, right? And and I think this is a good moment for you to you know what did you do besides have a great time with Tara? You you were I mean, you reflected you thought about your golf game, right? How can you not? You know, and maybe and it was maybe a good time for a break. You know, and um. And I'm curious to kind of hear, you know, maybe how the last month has been the mental side for you. And that also, as we pull from kind of past experiences, good, bad and different in this episode. So it's really good timing, I think, for you. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah, totally. Why don't we start with you? We can either start your college career. Actually, I want to know before we go to a specific period, does a certain period, well, <laughs> I said, we're not going to a period, but I'm going to ask you about a period. Is there a certain period in your life that you can, that jumps out as your best golf of your life? Was it pre-college? Was it high school? Was it juniors? Was it now? Like does something jump out?
1: Yeah, I, I think it always kind of does for me. I think it's when I was a junior player because it relates to tournament golf. So, I mean, I would say that period when I was, when I was a kid, But when I would say I was from from eight years old to 14 years old, was really, I would say, my quote unquote golden years as a player. I mean, I've said on the show before, you know, I grew up playing. We had three brothers, we are golfing at a a young age. But tournament golf didn't really start until eight years old for me. And that was kind of, I mean, we had played in maybe, you know, Pepsi Little Peoples, which is in Quincy, Illinois, a famous tournament. Ryan Winehouse played in that. We were like five years old. I mean, it's a tournament for little kids. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, that was. Other than that, though, like I remember at eight years old, I had my first kind of like, I think, yeah, four or five tournaments I played in. Illinois juniors, they called them. I, w- I really, really made this jump as an eight, ten eleven 10, 11-year-old. And I just was like a really, really dominant golfer and, <laughs> on the local stage. I mean, I remember when I was nine years old, I won seven out of seven tournaments when I was nine.
0: Really? Yeah. You know? You never told me that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I
1: mean, I, I won three when I was eight, seven when I was nine, five or six when I was ten. And it, and it just kept getting better when I was, and I was just just like, you know, had a reputation. Were your
0: brothers winning this much, too? They were winning a
1: lot, too. But I think I was one of the most. <laughs> now, granted, okay. we're in age groups, right? You know, we're yeah. all in different age groups. But I just, you know, I just remember golf just seemed... Yeah, Again, you know, it's the classic thing you talk about, it, play like a kid, right? But I was, I was catching on to this game. We were taking lessons. John Reese was our coach. And I just was, I was just this great, I was this great Illinois junior golfer that all I did was win. So yeah, I was having these milestones, right? Then I remember I was 12, I shot 75 in this 18-0 tournament at Glenview Park District. I won by like five shots. And I can, I remember a little bit of that day just like, Boy, I got it. You know, this is a pretty decent real golf course. I shot 75. And then the year after I shot 69 at Oak Park Country Club. When I was 13 years old, made my first hole in one. And then I went and finished 16th at the junior worlds in San Diego. Right. Oh, it's yeah. a uh, Steel Canyon golf course. You know, so like that stretch of golf for me was just like
0: so. It wasn't cool. at Tory Pines.
1: Well, because I was too young. 13 year olds didn't play at Tory Pines. I played Tory a couple years later.
0: Oh, okay. Um
1: I don't know if you ever played Steel Canyon map. It's a Gary player design a little north I, think of San Diego. I have. kind of like Desert Mountainy, really fun course. But uh
0: so yeah, how do you how do you get into the junior world? Are there qualifiers?
1: Yeah, you had to qualify through a local tournament it's done by local qualifiers. Okay. There was this tournament called the DuPage County Classic, which was at the time you had all these different age groups, it was one or two biggest tournaments in the Chicagoland area. And if you've made top five in that tournament, top four you got an exemption in the junior world. It was really cool.
0: I and just in. so everybody knows, the all junior the, world. All the, all
1: the brothers got in. It was really cool. We got That's to go awesome. to San Diego. Yeah, and all the junior I, world.
0: Like Jason Day's won it. Tigers won it. Like it's it's at Torrey Pines. Yeah, when,
1: I, when I played it at Torrey Pines when I was a junior, that was the year Jason Day won. Yeah. He, won, he shot 73 on the last day and won my seven shots.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> he struggled on the last day.
0: And just so, so everybody knows, I've been there. When I lived in San Diego, you know, I used to get there super early for a walk on spot. It's kind of like the Beth Pig Black of um, the West Coast, just people wait in line in the parking lot and re- in the dark to get a spot. Because if you have a city card, like I did, I chose where I lived so that I could get a city card. It was like 30 bucks for Tory North Twilight, 50 in the morning. And when you're making as little money as I was making advertising, that's very important. So I remember being there when they would close the course down and all the, the world country flags would be around the practice screens. It's a cool, well, it's, it's it a really was, cool vibe.
1: I got to carry the flag for Illinois state of Illinois. It's really great. So it's that's like awesome. participants from each state and country. It's like the you know, Olympics of junior golf. So yeah, I mean, my best stretch of golf, uh, I mean, especially because it relates to tournaments,
0: was when I was young. Did you ever compare was, yourself to that kid when you were in college and maybe struggling where you're like, where is that kid? Sure. I
1: actually think about it today. I mean, I've actually played for some pretty good golf this year. You know, I've had, a couple, I've had a couple hundred par rounds. But I'm like, I was 13 years old. I went Oak Park Country Cup, 6,500 yards. Donald Ross designed it in an inter-club tournament. I shot 69. I'm like I don't know. <laughs> I'm yeah. hoping to God I can do that once, you no, know, or even twice this summer. It's crazy to think about it. So yeah, yeah I mean, as we're starting this episode, uh, that to me because you know there was there was good moments in high school. There was good moments in college. There was good moments today, but there was not the level of confidence, consistency, and just say it, success, winning. You know, or being close to winning. I had it in high school didn't win in college
0: how many times did you win in high school
1: didn't even sniff winning in college all i mean a bunch i mean i I won regionals regional championships twice sectional championships twice i mean i won other tournaments you know but when national tournaments got in play like american junior golf you know i i started when you started really really consistently competing with players around the country guys from florida guys from texas guys from arizona they're playing all year round I was like, man, I don't, I don't hit it as far or as high as these guys, mm. and that's when,
0: yeah,
1: uh, changes had to be made.
0: You know, and God, you know what this reminds me of? This <laughs> reminds me of me as a kid in baseball when I was playing junior little league world series, and there's one game I went four for four, three doubles and a triple, seven RBIs, and I threw out the time run at third. I was playing catcher to end the game. It was the greatest. It was my peak. And I was like 13 and everybody was coming up to my dad after the game. Like this kid, this kid's got something like he's going, you know, to at least college, maybe this show. Like I've never seen a performance like this. And it is funny trying to pull out like there's not a lot going on up there. It's just kind of like this. Let me see if you can understand what I'm trying to say. It's kind of like it's just what we do. Like there's this innate confidence of, I'm just good at baseball. You're good at golf. Like, and when I step up to the plate, I'm hitting another double. Like obviously during those stretches, the ball looks bigger, right? Yeah. The hole looks bigger in golf.
1: Yeah, you're just you're just not really thinking. You're just doing. You're just reacting, right? Which is what we talk about so much.
0: So what comes up for you then when you think about your junior stretch of winning seven out of seven, does anything come up besides not thinking what were the types of thoughts and beliefs you had back then that you're the best?
1: Yeah. You just walk in like I'm the best, Everybody yeah. knows
0: it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, that's the feel, right? You just have a level of confidence, right? Like I've got a reputation, family's got a reputation. I know how to play this game. I'm just going to go do it. And that's it. And the story goes. I think I had maybe mentioned this on one episode, but it just for me to remember, in the junior world, I'm 13. I shoot 72, 73, 73 to finish tied for 16. And I was really proud of myself. Jamie Lovemark and Philip Francis were one, two in that. Philip Francis won it. Jamie Lovemark. Jamie Lovemark's still out there. Guys were stud players, you know, and they were shooting 67, 68s, right, 69s. And I just remember after the tournament, I was proud. Our coach John John Reese, who was just a great coach for us, but he flew out with us to the event. It was really fun. But I remember after a really good tournament, I looked at him and said, "What do I got to do to be those, be like those guys? What do I got to do with my swing, you know?" And I remember on the end of the range, we were practicing. He's like, "Well, you know, you're you're laid off. You know, your swing's over here. You know, we got to get you over your right shoulder." And he wasn't wrong, but that was what we were working on. And It was like, this is the era of Tiger. And I want the listeners to understand this. Tiger was, by this point, he had already done one rebuild of his swing, right? And he was about to do another rebuild.
0: And So what year was this? Like 2000? 2002, right? Yeah.
1: This, and you're becoming a 13-year-old, you're starting to become an adult in a sense, right? Like a high schooler building a plan, building a mm-hmm. D1 college plan, right? Working out, eating, right? We are doing all this, doing all this. But it was like, man, I got to I got to change my backswing to get to the next level. And from that point on, I three different times I tried to change my backswing from freshman from the start of freshman year of high school to junior year of college. And I could never figure it out. Can never figure it out. So, you know, I think the lesson was I've been changing
0: my backswing for 18 years. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The lesson was looking back. You know, I, it's hard, you know, should I have just maybe gone a different direction with coaches at that time? I can't, I haven't quite figured out that part of what you wanted, Had a more upright kind of swing. Maybe I just need to go somewhere else, embrace who I am. But it was funny. It was like that summer, I remember trying to, to work with that. And then I just forgot about it when high school golf started, freshman year. And I played great day, you know,
0: mm.
1: but it was always in my head. I remember that I got a scholarship, got offered to Missouri State. I was good. I got my D1 offer. And then that eight months before I was going to college, going to college, I revisited how to try to get more upright, Try to get over the right shoulder. So Mm. I could get the club better in the slot and hit it further. And I spent the whole winter just trying to change
0: it. And how (laughs) did you play your first year? I couldn't
1: figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. My first semester of college golf was a disaster.
0: Define a disaster.
1: I shot 90 in a tournament. Did you? I remember I shot 80, like, I don't know, I was in I was at the first semester of freshman year. It was just so in my head. I think I shot, yeah, 80, 81, 90. Wow. When you're you know out on a golf course, just completely <laughs> lost. In the second semester, I had some great tournaments. Forgot all that. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I guess the big thing, thing for me is when I look back is you just trying, you just trying to be perfect, trying to be somebody you're not. And just not really, maybe understanding having the right frame of mind to make changes in your golf swing. Mm. You know, I will say this, Ev, too. What I've learned now is to take, you can't change your backswing if you don't change your takeaway. It's the first three feet. You see me work hard on my takeaway now, but I don't think about my backswing. But I wasn't, that wasn't registering that. So that's a lot about me. What do you think?
0: Well, what I'm hearing is, there was a lot of belief in your game early on. There wasn't. There wasn't a ton of belief about. I bet you when you won seven times, you probably weren't even thinking about your swing.
1: No, none of that. I mean, and that's kind of the story, right? When you're when you play, and that's a very
0: common play. thing to hear, but
1: right. I mean, granted, I was little, but I was each year I was just progressing, progressing, progressing. You know, but I think you know as. I just got too much in my I remember my dad used to say you're too much paralysis by now. And I thought, no, you don't get it. He, I, I this is where I yeah. need to go. You know, and you get caught up. And and another thing too, I this is for people listening who are getting their kids into golf or uh or who are learning to play themselves. It's it's very important to hit it far first. Learn how to hit it far first and straight second. I, mean, I love, we had a great job was an awesome teacher, but he really kind of, it was more old school. Again, this is 20, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. We kind of learned to hit it straight first. Now people are laughing My when God. they hear that, you know, but where the game was going, that was the Tiger era. And then now where it is now is kids need to learn how to hit it far first. You need to learn how to create, get really strong positions, really big turns and just mash just go at it and then figure out speeds and tempos and course management where we were the opposite. And I think when you tr- learn how to try to hit it far later, it's just tougher and you're, you're playing a little catch up. Hmm. So I, I absolutely find kids need to find teacher to hit it far, far first straight second. We were the opposite, but a lot of people were in that era, but it was starting to change. Right.
0: It's so interesting how you hear play like a kid, and that's why I want I was excited about this episode cuz I bet I knew there was going to be things that we wish we knew back then but I knew there was going to be things that we wish we did now from back then right cuz you and I it's interesting as this show has grown in popularity I mean a million and a half downloads about and we probably never thought we would reach that many people But as this show has grown, we get more access to information. We meet a lot of great people. We're talking about what we think is valuable stuff that should help us. um, And we get messages every day from people that we're helping, which is the greatest feeling in the world. But for us, sometimes it's a lot of information. Damon Hack talked to us about that from Golf Channel.
1: Yeah. Right? It's it's overload.
0: Sometimes it can feel like an overload. So sometimes you look back to our younger selves. I mean, I look I look at how I played at St. Andrews in 2015, and I envy that kid sometimes because I'm like, man, that kid, all he knew was tempo then. The handsiest, ugliest thing. The, guy, the kid shot a 75 at St. Andrews. Like his – I mean, it's incredible. Like – it's a truly That's an amazing
1: see in the course. The yeah, course truly an amazing, like out of
0: it. body experience. Yeah. Anything else pop up for you when you think about like think about the contrast of it sounds like one thing maybe we should dig into a little bit is when you're a kid, I think there's a little bit more of an offensive mindset naturally where it's like, it doesn't matter who you're playing against, like I'm gonna win. Right? All I want to do is win. Yeah. But as you get a little bit older, comparison starts more, right? It's like the little kid isn't thinking about how he looks with his shirt off at the pool, right? But once you get, once you become like 16, 15, and you start hearing people talk about it and you start, your ego starts to get a little bruised and kids are mean, you start to look in the mirror and you start to suck in your stomach a little bit more, right? I think the same thing applies with golf is you start to compare yourself a little bit.
1: Well, it's like as your brain develops into a high school or a teenager, right? Um, which is what we you know, which is you're going, you're, you're making that step. Yeah, it can hurt. It can it can hurt, you know, your your performance, you know, as a kid. You're just you become very distracted. You're wrapped up in so many different things. Um yeah. start to care way too much about things you never even knew existed, right? Or yeah. cared about so you know i think you know that's why they always said play like a kid it's not that simple but because you're smarter you know more now right and that's good it's just you have to prepare a little harder you have to prepare a little different now but you can't we can't access that kid like abilities and mindset or lack of we just have to think about it now where then it was
0: just see it feel it
1: trust it you know, and just who gives a shit what happens right and yeah. that's that's it right so well, isn't it funny how so yeah, much I mean, on
0: this show it's about removing things removing layers getting out of our own way i mean there's so many times that when you look back on both of our terrible rounds how much were we in our hound heads how much were we playing golf swing how much were we panic practicing Or distracted about
1: another life
0: matter. Yeah, do you want to dig into that ninety? We've never talked about the ninety.
1: I mean, I don't really. I don't really remember whole. There's nothing, but I remember. I remember was the tournament Kansas. I was just trying to. I'm still trying to change change my swing. I didn't know how to practice. I remember my brother was at that tournament. Joe, he played. He played pretty good, and I that wore on me too even more. So it was just like. I, I wasn't playing golf. And you know what I, what I remember about those maybe those really, really bad rounds or bad runs is my practice. My practice was just forcing positions, beating balls, never thinking about fundamentals, never thinking about stance, never thinking about grip. I don't think I was asking my coach to come over, my college coach, hey coach, look at my grip, look at my alignment. I was like, you know, so I remember that, like practice practice team practices were just so hard i was still wrapped up in what i was trying to work on in the summer but also play golf and it's just and then that was just an example of a round where i'll just like truly came crashing down yeah we just it's like so just funny not understanding how to practice this i think is a key takeaway here like and as a college golfer you practice every day or six times a week and that gets tiring. And boy, I was just tiring myself out. So I'm practicing like that. Then I have to go to qualifying, right? You play 36, sometimes 54 holes to get into the tournament. And I'm still, my head's still wrapped up in my swing. Then you get to the tournament, you're like, you're just mentally and physically already beaten down and you haven't played a hole. So yeah. it's not managing my energy, not managing my mind
0: and my outlook's terrible.
1: And I deserve to shoot that.
0: A certain- how, would, how would you have practiced different now?
1: Well, that's the thing I do so much better now because, you know, I, I don't get to practice as much as Evan does, guys, just so you know. But when I do, which is, I haven't hit balls at all, actually, this year, besides before round, really. But, like, I am so much better about thinking about my grip, my stance, my posture. Like, they really hammer that home. Um, so I had my college, struggle freshman year, and then I had a red shirt my sophomore year because I had a back problem. We'll get into that. And then I came out of that back problem, fighting, figuring out my swing, struggled. And then I took a lesson my senior year because it was like we were playing before the season started. We played around and I'm hitting hooks. I'm like, I just cannot do this
0: anymore. <laughs> like who can?
1: Who can do this?
0: This fight? is college, right?
1: Yeah, this was like the summer before my senior year. And I went to see Rick Neal, his teacher in Springfield. And the I go, Rick, I need your help. I'm hitting the left. I struggled last year. Like, I just need to simplify everything. Can you help me? Some of the guys had seen Rick before. And this is classic me at this time and classic old school, like just smart teacher. He goes, all right, I'll watch you hit balls. Come on, Matt. Just he's a Southern guys. Like, come on, hit some balls. Like five minutes goes by. He hasn't said a word. I'm like, Rick, what do you think? <laughs> he's like, just watching. Just watch, you know, just. And he says to me, he goes, Matt, you know, you've been aiming 25 yards right for five straight minutes. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, come take a look at this. And F, it's like, that sounds like the simplest thing. But when you're so caught up in your swing or trying to fix it with a, a position, you lose all of this. So he goes, Matt, we're going to get you like you're feeling aim left. You know, and I want you to feel like the glove emblem, the emblem of your glove, your Titleist glove is leading away. So, you know, you feel like you're aimed left and you're going to hit little hold off cuts. And I thought I was aimed 100 yards left, but we did that. And that was it. That was the game changer. And I really had a good senior year and I traveled consistently and I played, had some great rounds. But it's like, Ev, why, why does it have, to, like, why did I have to get to that? I, you know, <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you know my best moments were when I stopped obsessing over how my backswing looked, how far I needed to hit it, and just getting back to grip, stance, posture, and setup, because all that was going out the window, going out the window, because I lost sight of it. And I forgot how I forgot how to practice efficiently. So since then, you know, you have ups and downs in your swing, but I. When I practice, I would get very inconsistent. Not putting clubs down, not focusing on the alignment, focusing on those simple drills. Yeah. And now I do that. I do that really well. All I think it's all I think about. You probably like talk about it on the show. <laughs> it, that's all I really care about.
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking about me a seven handicap, and I'm like, I I never do that. Yeah, go ahead. I never think about grip, stance, posture, ever. So why?
1: why what, 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 let's dig into that.
0: Why is that? I don't think I know. And I'm not around coaches. So it's like, I don't know what to look for, you know? And it's funny, I've worked with Jake, who we had on the show, and he never really talks to me about that. So I was like, oh, I guess it must not be important. I guess I must be doing a decent job. But it's so interesting how we don't change until the pain of our reality gets to be too much. So the That's pain, so like the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of the unknown, right? Or the, or making changes. That's usually when we make a change. Let me challenge you with this idea. I've been thinking about this lately. Do you think most amateur golfers would play better if they didn't go to the range before the round to warm up? Because inherent, hear me out. Because inherently, hear me out out, because I see your face, hear me out inherently, it's almost impossible to not get even a little, even if you tell yourself this is just a warm-up, the range never matches the course, right? Different things. As a human being, you're going to get even 10% excited if you're hitting it great, or even 10% a little scared if you're hitting it horrific, okay? Now, if the point before a round is to warm up and get the body warm, wouldn't yeah, wouldn't amateur golfers be better off doing a 10 minute stretch or pliability routine and go to the first tee with a warm loose body than hitting balls?
1: I think it should be alongside hitting balls. But should we dig into a little more about the pliability of?
0: Yeah, so I literally I accepted this number 1. I think they're the number 1 pliability app. It's literally called pliability, which, by the way, is the only thing Tom Brady talked about, and he was the oldest player in NFL history, was pliability. Uh-huh. He didn't talk about strength. He didn't talk about speed. He talked about pliability because that's going to help his longevity and injury prevention, right? I literally, I made this partnership happen, not just because they're the number one app, and I think we as golfers need it, but I did it for you because I know how much back issues have plagued your golf career. And luckily I haven't had as many, but I don't think enough of us, we get so wrapped up, in trying to make the most out of our rounds that we forget what it must feel like until you get there of not being able to play. And then once you can't play, you do everything you can to get back, but we don't do things to prevent it. And make sure we keep playing until something bad happens. And, and, we'll, and I think more people need, it's a te- it's an app where you, you fire it up like a workout routine, but instead it's a 10-minute stretching routine on anything you need. Back, lower back, upper back, shoulders, hamstrings, whatever. And that's they got the it all
1: Everybody says, yeah, stretch. I'll stretch before I play. But you don't, you don't do the same. You don't know what you're doing. Pliability gives you that routine. It's not for 50 minutes. It's 10 solid minutes follow these exercises, follow these stretches. And I think it's, it's brilliant. I think most golfers have, amateur players, they need this kick in the butt motivation to stretch properly. And Pliability helps you kind of do the work a little bit. It's absolutely, it's incredible.
0: Yeah. We're, it's a new partnership. We're very excited about it. It's pliability.com slash Enter your email at that page and you'll get a download link. That link will give you two free weeks complete access to the app. Usually they've got a one-week trial. We got you guys a two-week trial. Get off the pain train and download Pliability today. But seriously, though, like this isn't just an ad read. Like It's important because how much your back issues probably created got in your 100%. way, right? 100%. Yeah,
1: it was really debilitating. And then that you start thinking about your swing that way. Oh, do I need to change my swing because of my back? You know, but I, I mean, look, I mean, I think you and I have different philosophies on how to warm up a little bit and that's okay. And that, and everybody's got to figure out what works for them. The reason why I at least like to hit a few balls up is because, I mean, I want to know who I've brought to the dance today. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. You see me stretch. I think I personally think you got to do stretching, you guys, follow this stuff, do the stretching and then hit balls for, you get balls for 10 minutes, you know? I mean, fifteen minutes, just just to see how you feel with a golf club in your hand today. Yeah, you know, for me, to me, that's always good information. For others, maybe it's not right. It, it puts them too much in panic zone or excitement zone and gets them away from neutral. Yeah. But I always believe, you know, I want to know maybe my personality today because it's it's different every day. What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think. I think the key is, is your 10 minute range session of who, who did I bring the dance today? Is that going to create compensations? I think that's the question.
1: Oh, it could, but isn't that the point? Question is, what are those kinds
0: of things? Right. If I'm
1: hitting draws on the range, oh boy, first couple holes, you know, I think I got to run with that, you know, because here's what's what's funny. (laughs) sir.
0: I've hit draws on the range, but then my body tightens up on the course because there's consequences and I can't get around on it, right? I get a little over the top, I get a little quick and I'm hitting big slice fades. So, you know, I think you gotta know you.
1: Is that the range's fault or is that your That's
0: Well, no, I'm just saying, if you're creating a compensation based on what you saw on the range, but your body feels different on the course, because it's a different playing field, that compensation you are planning on of like, okay, I'm gonna embrace draws today, could potentially cloud your judgment on who you brought to the dance of the course, right? There might yeah. be an entirely different girl,
1: right? So I might get a little more into the results of my brain session, where you might obviously still hit balls, but swing. Don't even you don't even seem to see where it finishes, right? Yeah. Hit, make contact, and just you know get loose, feel like you're swinging the golf ball. It's actually two different ways, Adam, and it might yeah. be, and for those listening. Don't take any stock in the result, any stock, but at least be making contact and swing a golf club before you go out and play.
0: Yeah, so. it's warming those specific muscles, um, but it's something, it, it could be an interesting test for people, right? Like if the goal is to get warm, get warm and maybe don't bring in the excitement or the panic. I I was just thinking about it the other day. It's an interesting thing to maybe test. Let me dig in on the first time I broke 80 because I don't know, we haven't talked about this in- what was
1: yeah digging. when was this
0: so i don't remember the year i think i was in college early college i went up to palm springs and i met up with todd who you know at his dad's club it was avondale country club in palm springs at that time or palm desert and And his um,
1: his dad likes to play
0: Yeah, his dad is the type of guy that he will play speed golf on his own and play in 50 minutes. Like, he will run with his push cart. Get out of the way. Yeah.
1: You love to play fast.
0: I do. And I remember I was that classic golfer that I'd be playing, like, not even that great, and I'd be shooting 81s, 83s, 82s, and I never broke it. Right
1: there. there.
0: And I'm like... I got to, like, what is going on? I got to break this. We get messages like this all the time, right? And I will never forget that day I shot a 77. We were playing Taylor Swift in the cart. Oh, God. And we were drinking Pacificos. Oh, what a. There was an old guy on the course, hole four, I think it was, when he heard Todd was in town. He left his back door open, and he said, Todd, you know what to do. Would stock the fridge with Pacificos. We'd hop his (laughs) fence and Todd would come out with eight Pacificos for us. Okay. Guys live in the dream. Old guy, excited when a young guy comes to town, stocks the fridge for him. Okay. So good vibes in the cart, but it wasn't just one of those days where I wasn't thinking about anything and I'm with a buddy and we're listening to music and we're having a few beers and I ended up breaking 80. It wasn't that type of day. There were some aspects of that there. But really, the thing that I think most people can benefit from this story, and maybe something I should take with me from this story, is I asked, I thought to myself, you know, I always have those one moments in those 81s, 82s, 83s where I lost focus. And I thought to myself, if I didn't make that swing or that mistake around the greens, I would have broken 80. We always do that, right? There's that one moment if I didn't do that, I would have broke 80. So guess what I thought all day? I said this could be the shot that helps me break 80. So every shot, I thought, don't let this shot be the one that leads to an 81. And it kind of reminds me of that Vince Lombardi quote we've talked about before years ago, which is something I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but the the idea of it is you never know what play is going to be a game changer and win the game. So you might as well give every play your all because it could end up being the play that wins the game. So because everyone's the... go ahead.
1: I just, I mean, it really got you away from thinking about your swing yeah. and thinking about score.
0: Yeah. And the, it, it's so interesting too, because everybody says one shot at a time, one shot at a time. And it's important, and that's usually what people say when they play well, but it feels so cliche that it's easy to reject. Like, it can't possibly be that simple. I've heard it a million times. Give me something else I haven't heard, right? The interesting thing about you never know what play is going to win the game, or what I was thinking is this could be the shot that breaks 80, is I was bringing the intense focus of I'm on 18 with a chance to break 80 into every shot. And it didn't carry pressure. It just carried focus. And it right. gave it gave me a certain level of intensity how I walked into every shot. I didn't want lack of focus and a brain fart to be the reason. I was so sick of saying I would have broken 80 if it wasn't for that. I gave my all into every shot. I didn't look at my score. And I knew I was playing good too. And I didn't look at it. And I kept saying, this could be the one. This could be the one. Make sure you give it your all. Give every shot your all. Kind of like Tigers talked about. Like he, every shot, he gives everything he has. Kind of like the mentality of being in a shootout we've talked about before at a member guest. Like you have to because one shot could eliminate you. So you you really think through what's the best angle. Okay, what club keeps me out of the bunkers? What club keeps me out of the hazard? What makes sure we take double out of play? Like the way that you think in a horse race when thousands of dollars are on the line and hundreds of people are watching is how I played that whole round when I broke 80 for the first time. And I I finish 18 and Todd pulls out the scorecard and he smiles and he goes, 77. And mm-hmm. I just remember it was the greatest feeling because I didn't shoot 79, sir. I shot a 77. And yeah. that was really v- the best feeling in the world because I remember thinking I knew I could do it, but I was so wrapped up in score before. I remember feeling like that pressure of, am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? But nothing I think, changed
1: Yeah, I've never in my life. Story. So this is great. I've never heard this from you. I mean,
0: for you to dive deep in this there, detail. Yeah.
1: Have you taken this mindset to the course any other times? Is this something that's been consistent for you? Or have you gotten not think so. it? Did you just realize it? Because why? Why not? And it like, because what, what I've always, one of the things I've always took from you is you're always, and you're not the only one, but you do talk about a lot. You're trying to capture the right vibe. Yeah. Right. And some of the external factors, right? For instance music cart versus walking what i'm eating what i'm drinking how i engage with people Mm -hmm. you just talked about you know pacificos and taylor swift and playing with a good friend and uh, and, but this mantra is really really powerful and clearly effective how do we get you are we you know getting some pacificos and taylor swift tomorrow at the course And, (laughs) and you saying to yourself this could be the next this this shot could be the one that I break 80 with because because what you said to me in Arizona earlier, in years like and I kind of called it out you're like I'm losing focus on these second shots I'm not thinking about yardage I'm not thinking about slope I'm not thinking about where the trouble. and what you just played back to me on that 77 was everything not that locked in right yeah understanding risk assessment the task at hand what to do what not to do
0: and doing it yeah for sure. I mean, here's here's I think a common and mistake. You're
1: distracted from score. You're like, oh my god, I didn't even realize you actually had 77. You knew you broke 80, but like, you had to be reminded. Oh, Todd's like 77.
0: Yeah. Like, oh. Go. <laughs> I think a common mistake we make is when we play well. I mean, you did this after all of your wins as a junior, right? You think that the stuff that led to the good performance before is is gonna be there. You don't think about the stuff that helps create that. You just think that that's a given. So let me try something else to get even better, right? So then you start getting into swing. Then you start getting into uh, thinking about, can I do it again, right? Now I want to break 80 all the time.
1: As opposed to just trying to do that routine. As opposed
0: to what helped me break 80 in the first place, right? I wasn't thinking about that at all. So some people might say, yeah, but... The way you think isn't your swing. Your swing's your swing, but I would argue, what's in your mind leads to how your body reacts. Your body holds a lot of stress or lack thereof, and I think I did a better job actually with knowing less back then. I, I was I was much simpler with what I would focus on. It would be like tempo, right? You know, and, really
1: and that was it. Got to that, you know, single digit handicap and just. Yeah. Didn't think much how you got there. Right. You just did by practicing and playing. And
0: yeah. These days, I think I, I've i gotten in my game. own I just like anybody else out there. I think I, I feel challenged sometimes with too much information. You know, I mean, we have such great conversations every week. Sometimes it's what's my vibe and my thought going to be this week, you right. know, and I don't have an approach, but like, why am I trying to change it? You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I think, yeah. I mean, you're probably what you struggle with is trying to always find that vibe, and you probably work with too many, right? Yeah. Like, boy, that was a really that's a really great story about like you just feeling like you're in your best mental space. Obviously, the score reflected but it, but and but you could still take that tomorrow. Maybe the score doesn't quite reflect, but sounds like that's that's that really worked for you.
0: Yeah, because.
1: I think you, like you said, you know so much more now, but it's maybe created a a way for you to lose focus out there because you don't know what to focus on.
0: Yeah, I also, I also remember this mantra
1: is just like total, just in a groove.
0: It's funny too because people are like, don't think about score. I use score as a way to focus without thinking about, like, I wasn't attached to where am I, where am I, What am I shooting. I use score as a way to create focus and intensity, which I think we talked about in Arizona. Intensity is another good one for me. Yeah. It's finding that balance between intense focused and not identifying with my results, which is my biggest challenge. I feel like a failure too quickly versus just letting it be and moving on and understanding what I did and then getting really obsessed with my focus on the next one. But I'm, I was an intense competitor my whole childhood. Like I was the kid what,
1: what, intense meaning a little long tight.
0: just like really, really competitive. Like in everything that I did. Yeah. You know, I was like any kid in the Midwest or wherever, like I would throw a tantrum Right. You know, if I lost, I would yeah, get in bro- fights with me, my brother. You have brother, I have
1: brothers. Absolutely. Yeah, like
0: just it, it Winning run high. <laughs> yeah, like winning was everything, you know? Yeah. And so I What's think the that's great
1: quote is it Lombardi? Winning isn't everything, it's the only thing.
0: Yeah, oh, is that good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A couple Lombardi quotes today. Um, didn't expect it. <laughs> you show up by time
1: you're late, you know. That's another good one.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's funny how you know. We talked about well, it in Arizona. Well, when I started to compete, now here's the flip side of this.
1: Because you no. know what it works for me is and you've called this out too is intense self-talk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I need like that almost, too. Almost
1: degrading, like,
0: like yes, to get me to focus. I need that too. And you and it seems silly, but I think I saw like there was a stat that said people with positive self-talk have like crazy increases in health, longevity. Like it's crazy what saying things yourself can do. But let me let me offer a flip side real quick. Someone might be listening and think it might be easy for them to talk about competing and like not thinking about score and not worrying about the bad shots. But they're kind of in panic mode a little bit because they're they're missing the ball so poorly that it doesn't feel like they're playing golf. It feels like they can't get off the tee. They're constantly taking penalty strokes they're missing it both ways they don't know where the ball's going it's really hard to focus on non-swing stuff and focus on your approach and your focus when you're hitting the ball that poorly i get it we've all we've all been there i would ask maybe that's the thing that's missing maybe the the time when it's the hardest to focus on something else Maybe that's the time to do it. You know what I mean? And I'm going to try yeah, it tomorrow.
1: I, I agree with you, Evan. I think I think it is absolutely tougher for a higher handicap player that is doing the things that you described. But I also think for them, one of the ways for them to get better is you have to learn how to adjust. You have to learn how to be able to think in a very simple way, right? So when you're, you're penalty stroke after penalty stroke off the tee with your driver, maybe you got to put the driver away. You maybe just need to think about picking a target. I just want to hit this solid. You know, you're yeah. like that's part of that process, right? Because golf is all about adjusting, all about adjusting and managing that. And that's and it's not necessarily always the swing answer. I've covered that. I've covered that in this episode, right? Yeah. It's a, it's it's a, it's a mindset. Golf is a game. You have to manage your game. There's a lot of ways to play this game. There's no pictures on the scorecard, but we lose sight of all that, Ev right? When we're so caught up in trying to make a change in our swing or get better and do this right and just become, we feel worthless. We we all go through it, but
0: yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think it's such a good reminder.
1: That's an approach.
0: That's why I love golf too, because how relatable is it that we we're always trying to like the expectations we have on ourselves of trying to be perfect and trying to like do what other people do. And I mean, how many times do you hear an interview or watch something of someone who wins an Oscar or wins a championship or has a great business? You always hear this theme of like, you know, I just, I got back to who I was. I stopped listening to the noise. I stopped caring about what other people thought. I started focusing focus on what really helps me feel my best. I started getting healthier. I started, you know, exercising, meditating, whatever they need to feel, focus on the good stuff, focus on the stuff that matters, they start to get better results. And I think that's what golf teaches us what? every time. It doesn't matter how many times you've shot 77. If you don't, if you get away from the stuff that got you there, you can shoot an 87 like a like that. And it's, golf has no mercy. doesn't mm-hmm. matter who you are, what you've done, Golf is constantly testing you. Right, that's what this show's I, about.
1: I think it, I think it's, that's brilliant. Ev, it's what I, what I would add is like, I, I think we have to realize you're, you shot you got to, you shot seventy seven in a pretty short period of time as a golfer, incredible score. And along the way, it's more about tweaking your process as opposed to overhauling your process.
0: Right, like, know yeah. what
1: got you there. That's the best players, the best artists, the best. Singers in the world say, I, I know it got us here. Um, I just got, I just got too far away. You know, I got too far away from it. I thought I had to be somebody totally different, you know, in, in order to get better. And that's the overhaul part, but it's really like, man, I've got a pretty good process. Like Evan Singer, 77, I'm good player, yeah. you know, there's already, I've already got a good foundation. I'm mean, just gonna kind of maybe tweak it along, along the way, but oftentimes like me, you know, really good player and i thought i've got to overhaul
0: this it's It's also funny how fine of a line it is sport
1: does this to us yeah just sport right it's a game like and we
0: isn't it such a fine line too between confidence and tentativeness like either worried about what other people thought i mean speaking of how i used to be and then as i got older like you were surprised to hear that my hair was thinning
1: yeah but now that i think about it Ev. I can see it a little bit back then. Yeah. 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 Now that I think about it.
0: Well, yeah. So I, we were talking off air. I didn't know that my hair was was thinning. I was a little in denial. This was a a couple, probably two to three years ago. And this dude said something to me on a golf trip. He's like, oh, hairline's receding a little bit, huh? It's kind of an asshole thing to say. But I just remember being like, absolutely not.
1: But it got in your head.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely not. What do you mean? And I went and I looked. And of course, this is like that example of like the kid at the pool, right? Someone says something about your stomach for the first time. That kid, it's really a shame, starts to care about what he looks like instead of walking around the pool without a shirt on, without a care in the world, right? That was my moment for my hair. And I remember thinking, that's not going to happen to me. No way. And so... I remember looking and there wasn't a lot of stuff that you can do about it. And I just remember having buddies, you know, I mean, it's a weird thing, right? Guys, it's so common. It's almost more common to be bald or thinning than have good hair as a mid-30s guy, right? And I remember thinking, it's kind of bullshit that we just accept that, that that's the way it is. And so I was reading Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. This was probably like a year and a half before my wedding. And he talked about how he was losing his hair. And he found this product called Bergenics. And remember, this is his book. This is not an ad. Right. And he's like, I used it. My hair was better than ever. And I'm like, Matthew McConaughey, the guy with the flowy, amazing head of hair, like he was losing his hair and it worked. So I tried out their starter kit. And I mean, I'd never, I've never been more confident now. And so the thing that I learned about it was like, it's not just like your hair loses. There's actually not anything proven to grow back hair. The thing that happens is our follicles get really dirty, get a lot of debris, and the follicles die. So what I learned through eugenics, you actually, every like you you get custom solutions for your hair, you shampoo with certain stuff on certain days, condition with certain stuff, and then you send them a hair sample. You pull out a couple of hairs. You send it to them and they give you a follicle analysis. And so they sent me back a follicle analysis and they're like, yep, there's a lot of debris here. We're going to work on cleansing that debris. So we're sending you a custom solution focused on cleansing. Then once you get it clean, they send focus on thickening so they can thicken and strengthen your existing hairs. And that's the key. And that's really cool. So I I just want people to know I reached out to Regenix to make this happen for you guys because it helped me. And I think there's so many guys out there that are just accepting that that's the case. So go to Regenix.com, R-E-G-E-N-I-X.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off their starter kit. I think it's only like 125 150 bucks, whatever it is. Start testing it out and seeing. I still use it today. I use it as an upkeep and there's still things I can do to make my hair better, but I still hey. use it today. And... And I'm I paid for it out the, of my own pocket and it got me confident for my wedding. So highly recommend it. Like
1: you know, that, that now I got
0: flow like CERM. Yeah. <laughs> so um, regenix.com enter the code TRAIN. Get 15% off their starter kit. Highly recommend them. All right. So there's another one more time I want to talk about for me. My old Ricky Cup Sunday. So my Ryder Cup trip. I'd say in the last, not in the last couple years, but the years before that, I was known, I was always the number one seed, right? The only mid single digit handicap there. A lot of like 10s, you know, and some 15s, 20s as well. Big range. I was always the number one pick. Sunday match play, just like the Ryder Cup was everything, right? As long as you have a chance on Sunday, the every match was worth a point. And I'd say three or four years straight, I broke 80 on Sunday match play. And it's so funny looking back. I almost knew I was going to do it. like, And it wasn't because I felt the pressure to win. It wasn't because I was saying I'm the number one seed. I have to win. It was because I knew it meant the most. And my intensity went up. My intensity and focus went up. And it wasn't... A couple couple past themes here, of. And it wasn't, it's so funny because some people do this in member guests and they get really tight. It wasn't that my intensity went up where I cared. I was super attached to where it went. My intensity went up that I got really focused on my course management. So I got more focused on, it was that member guest shootout mentality. All right, well, I don't want to, bring that hazard into play so i'm going to play smart here and i'm going to keep swinging aggressive and conservative targets isn't it funny that's like the thing that everybody says but it's funny looking back to those rounds that's what just i did like the,
1: just like the 77
0: yeah now if you look at the last couple years when i did not play as well i was much more into identity i was much more yes thinking about I, am they're expecting me to win because I'm the number one. I used to shoot 77s every Sunday. You haven't done that in a couple years. What's wrong with you?
1: You got to be better. And and your whole routine's changed.
0: Do you see how the negative?
1: Yep. You're not thinking about course management. You're not thinking about how to play this shot, how to play this hole.
0: Nope. You are
1: just wrapped up and hoping to hit good golf shots on behalf of your friends
0: hoping to hit good golf shots, putting more pressure on myself, not thinking about where I'm hitting it, thinking about my swing, trying to prevent a big miss. Do you see how different, how subtle, yet how entirely different that is? For everyone listening, I hope everyone's gotten to this point in this conversation. This is the difference between something so small. You can feel the energy of it, right? One is confident, trusting, but just focused on where I want to go, like really focused on where I want to go. The other is not focused on where I want to go at all, which, by the way, how can the brain produce emotion if I don't tell it where to go?
1: Well, I remember at the bachelor party, you were just saying to me, like, man, I just wish I could be out in the fairway with you and Ryan.
0: Yeah. And I was just like,
1: that's that's when you know your mind's on You're not even... Thinking about well, how am I going to hit this shot? Where does this need to go? Well, yeah, there's a lot a of shame. Is it a three wood? Is it a hybrid? Like
0: a lot of shame and frustration this, of just poor ball striking, yeah. being sick of the guy that's always scrambling, that used to have better ball striking that you know is going through a bit of a, a rough spell.
1: I mean, it can really I mean, weigh on you. This is a big episode, I think. I mean, I mean, you've just nailed. some some of the great rounds in your, in your career and and, in moments too, in tournaments too, in rookie cup.
0: And it's that intensity, that. I did the same thing in shootouts, shootouts and member guests, same thing. And it's that there's a
1: methodicalness to it, right? Okay. What's in front of me. Right. And you're talking it out. You see me do that. Right.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's not a surprise that this is the recipe, but like, you're really what's, what I love about this conversation today. This episode, we've really tried to transport yourself back into these moments, back into these situations. Yeah. And how it played out.
0: Yeah. I really want Not people just to the do
1: 77 this. 77 or the 79. Why you got Right. It. Not just because you were hitting it straight, and hitting it long, and making putts. Obviously, that was happening. Peeling back the layers.
0: Yeah. And the funny thing is, I am so much better of a short game player. It's not even close.
1: Well, that's where you're going Right.
0: And the funny thing about this, this is a great way to end the episode. Okay. I want to make a video on this, but I'll share it on the podcast first. I realized that my short game gains have been have taught me so much about what I'm doing wrong in my long game and what so many of us do wrong in my long game. Here's a theme of what I do in my short game now. I never think technique when that's used to what I used to do 100% of the time. I used to just do techniques that were producing good contact. Now- You look at the
1: lie and you react to it naturally.
0: I look at the lie. I think to myself, all right, it's sitting up. I can kind of sweep it. No, You taught me. If it's sitting down, you got to gouge it. Certain different, I'm thinking about what the shot calls for and the shot I'm trying to create and what move that requires. But that required a level of understanding first of what I do and what I need to do, which is what Parker McLaughlin helped us with. Highly recommend his his site, by the way, shortgamechef.com. I've been a subscriber on that ever since he came on the show. And it's just, it's helped me understand things, right? I don't put it back in my stance as much. I'm not leaning on my left side. I'm, I'm understanding now how to have some spin versus not how it rolls out. So every time I go up to a short game shot, I'm not thinking about technique. I'm thinking about the shot I want to play, where I want it to land, what the right. lie is calling for. And I'm very, that's that's what I do. And I have total confidence in it now because I've built up enough reps. I've, I've I know what to do now. I'm not trying to reinvent anything. And yet with the full swing, there's still a lot of changes and reinvention and Tara even said something to me the other day. She's like, "I noticed you're always changing stuff. I've had the same <laughs> golf swing for 20 years." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, you got a
1: yeah, you got a point.
0: Yeah, it's a good point." No. But I think that the short game it's it's not a mis- it's not a mistake, sirm. That the thing that I've gotten very clear on the shot at hand, and I'm not changing my motion. I'm thinking about what the shot calls for. I've gotten really good at it. Same thing with my putting. I make a lot of putts and I don't think about my stroke anymore. And I don't I'll care just... if it goes inside. I used to be obsessed with this perfect back and yeah. through. And it's like, who cares?
1: That This mindset that you've taken with your chipping and pitching, you just gotta, we got to get it over to your full swing.
0: Yeah. But I want Same everybody way, to yeah. hear that. And I'm glad let's... you've
1: recognized that. And that's going to be that combined with, you know, figuring out, you know, how to focus, how to be a little more intense, how to, like you were in those past, past rounds. It's going to be a great combination for you Yeah, going forward. And I think that's what we wanted to get out of this episode,
0: you know? Yeah. So I would encourage everybody. It's so powerful to sit down and re- spend five minutes. Just ask yourself, all right, what were my best rounds? I guarantee everybody here listening can think, oh, I remember my best round. Okay. What did you do? What did you think? How did you feel? How did you sleep?
1: What did you what were your yeah, what, what was what your did approach? You did you warm up?
0: Did you not warm up? Think you know, about your worst round. You know, yeah. What was in that? You'll start to come up with kind of your formula of what works for you. And yeah, I think this is really valuable. The things we did well, the things we didn't and learn from them and start to remind ourselves of what we need.
1: Yeah. For me I, and what I would say to everybody to close this out, I mean, who cares what your swing looks like? Okay. Practice your fundamentals. Maintain your focus when you're out playing, and just embrace who you are. Yeah, that goes a long way. Got to work at it though. Got to work at it. You got to tell yourself to do it.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't mean don't. You still can't work on stuff. (laughs) Oh
1: yeah, that's we all got swing coaches. We're all going to
0: work on stuff still, but you can't take it as hard as it is. It's not going to be the thing that helps you. I've felt so many times, oh, I'm like going back. I'm like, I'm not bringing the stuff I'm working on in the course. I, I'm going to fall into old habits. But guess what? Quote, old habits are going to be better and more fluid than trying to create some new motion on the course when I'm out there. I
1: always like thinking to myself, too, this course has no chance today because I'm going outsmart it, to outsmart it. I'm going oh. to think it. And I'm going to be patient no matter what it does to me.
0: I so, like that.
1: Yeah.
0: I like that. All right. So no matter where that ball goes or how much you get into swing technique and how much you care about what other people think, and you're comparing yourself and you get into your swing, what do they got to do, sir?
1: Just enjoy the ride.
0: Enjoy the ride, guys. If you like this episode, hop aboard the email newsletter at thepartrain.com. Send a, a tidbit or a thought or a quote every Monday for free. You also get first access to merchandise drops. So for now on, we're We're launching merchandise exclusively to our email list. So make sure you're on that email list at thepartrain.com. YouTube channel, we're doing more videos. So hop aboard that and also Instagram,
1: Instagram, Instagram,
0: Twitter, TikTok, (laughs) at thepartrain. It's all deadly. Thank you guys, as always, for hopping aboard. We hope you enjoy the ride. Take care. Thanks, guys.